This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Louis Gagnon is the CEO of Total Brain which is a mental health and fitness platform powered by neuroscience. Total Brain was founded in 2000 by a leading neuroscientist, Dr. Evian Gordon. And its mission is to improve mental health and fitness through brain-based self-awareness and training. Today, it's used by large consumer groups and Fortune 500 companies that benefit from lower mental health care costs, improved productivity, and critical insights on what drives their organizations. As a corporate executive, Louis held dual chief product officer and chief marketing officer roles at Audible, now part of Amazon, Yodel, and Monster Worldwide. He's also advisor to TPG Capital, a top-tier U.S. private equity firm who named him CEO of Ride, a portfolio company that he restructured. Louis and I talk about the development of Total Brain as a company and its mission to help solve the mental health crisis at work with its assessment tools based on research in neuroscience. We talk about how this app helps people develop a better understanding of four essential mental capacities and the markers for each. Armed with this knowledge, individuals are more capable of understanding the strengths and liabilities unique to their brains. And when this information that's gathered by this app is aggregated within organizations after being made anonymous, we talk a lot about data privacy and protection of privacy, that information in the aggregate can be used to direct resources to the mental health needs of a workforce. Well, I hope you like the Work and Life podcast. And if you do, please subscribe if you don't yet. And before you forget, do it now. Rate it on iTunes so others are more likely to find it and enjoy it as well. Now, get set to listen to and learn from Louis Gagnon, CEO of Total Brain, who's going to teach us all a bit more about the neuroscience of mental illness, mental health, and how to improve mental health in the workplace and beyond. Louis Gagnon, welcome to Work and Life. Thank you so much, Stu. Very nice to be with you today. Well, it's it's great to be with you. Uh, The issue of Mental health is one that is near and dear to me and my family as one of my children suffers from a serious mental illness. And uh, our whole family is acutely aware of the costs to us and the stigma attached to mental illness. So I love that Total Brain, your company, is using neuroscience and big data to tackle mental health issues 
in the workplace. So let's start, if we can, by just providing our listeners with uh, your understanding of the history of Total Brain and its mission. Yeah. So um, Total Brain was founded in about year 2000, went public instantly uh, on the Australian stock market with the proposition of let's integrate the field of neuroscience and try to bring together all of these disciplines that uh, seem to very quickly expand our knowledge of the brain. Uh, what Evian Gordon, our founder, realized was that people were not looking at the brain uh, in the same uh, way, using the same definitions, measuring it the same way. And so he started a integrative uh, task, if you like, of mm-hmm. trying to define, okay, so what is the brain? What are those functions that we could call the core functions of the brain that actually make us behave one way or the other? What are the markers of those functions that we could measure? How could we actually validly measure them? Could we do it online? Could we do it digitally in ways that could scale? Could we build a database uh, that could uh, store this data in a standardized way that where every researcher in the world could use the knowledge that the other guy has just built upon? Mm-hmm. Uh, was really the goal and, and the, the foundational uh, aspiration of Dr. Gordon. Uh, years later, uh, he um, basically built a company that had uh, two major assets. One was an assessment of the total brain, that is, 12 markers of four capacities, including emotional capacities, our capacity to control our feelings, our cognition and our self-control or self-regulation, those four key capacities measured across 12 markers. Wait, so let let me make sure I have those four again, the four capacities. There's emotion. Yeah. And feelings are somehow different than emotion? Correct. Uh, From a neuroscientific point of view, Mm -hmm. uh, feelings are um, defined as uh, your capacity to control anxiety, stress, Mm -hmm. and depression. Okay. Or depressive mood. So you basically have an emotion, uh, and that emotion, you feel it in your body in terms of anxiety, stress, and depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you don't have any of those things, you're doing great. And when you have some of those things, uh, you, you can be affected uh, to a degree um, by uh, what the, the intensity of that emotion okay. is, as translated on those three vectors. So then... So then what's emotion and as distinct from feelings? Yeah, so emotions uh, would be uh, an emotion itself are classified uh, largely as there are six basic emotions and mm-hmm. you can derive thousands of them and mm-hmm. of, uh, different variation. But basically fear, anger, sadness, disgust, neutral and happy are the six basic emotions that human beings have and that the field of neuroscience and neuropsychology has been working with for all those years. So feelings are about uh, one's reactions to those emotions. Do I have that right? Correct. So how do do you sense those emotions in your body? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and then there's the cognitive capacity. Yeah. Cognitive capacity would be your memory. Mm Mm-hmm your capacity to focus, mm-hmm. and your capacity to make decisions or plan, which is 
otherwise known as executive planning, executive function. And the fourth? Uh, so there is, uh, the fourth is self-control or self-regulation, mm-hmm. which is your, so you have an emotion that you feel a certain way that is going to influence your capacity to um, cognitively treat the information. And what puts it all together mm-hmm. is your capacity to control or regulate yourself, which shows up in terms of capacity to connect with other, your social connectivity, mm-hmm. and your resilience, and your conscious biases. Mm-hmm. So uh, am I going to connect with you? Am I going to be able to deal with the stress that I'm feeling? How is this going to come out? And what bias am I consciously expressing when I'm doing this? All right. So these are the four capacities, emotion, feelings, cognitive capacity, and self-regulation. Thank you. <laughs> so, and, and you were saying that there are 12 markers, which we probably don't have time to detail each one. But, but in terms of what, uh, what total brain mission is, um, how does it relate to uh, the, the science of understanding um, these capacities and what affects them? Yes. So uh, what we do uh, first is we assess all of them. Mm-hmm. And because we have uh, the largest standardized database in the world from a, a neuroscience point of view, we are able to produce a percentile score. Mm-hmm for any one of those markers or any uh, aggregation uh, of, of such markers. So we could give you a percentile score of your total brain, which would be an aggregate of those four capacities, which would be an aggregate of three markers per capacity, if you like. The 12 markers. And so in doing so, we're really giving people for the first time in my life, at least, uh, that I have seen, a tool that is quantifiable, that is objective, science-driven, that gives me a sense of my strengths and weaknesses across all functions of my brain. I am more than just my capacity to think. I am more than my memory-focused planning. I am also emotional, and my emotions drive to show. And so if I'm able to now understand the skills that are attached to my emotions, the skills that are attached to my capacity to control my feelings, my capacity to think and my capacity to show up and connect with others. If I have a percentile score for all of these, I am now in a much better position to start to self-reflect and become self-aware of, okay, Mm -hmm. where am I great? Where am I not so great? How is this moving over time? And is there something that I can do to help myself in reinforcing my strength, in addressing my weaknesses, and in just overall uh, feeling better because I am doing something for myself. So is Total Brain available, these tools, the the assessment tools, through the companies that you work with, or is it uh, more broadly available as well? Right now it is uh, only through companies that we work with. Mm Uh, but we are now opening up with consumer companies uh, like Everyday Health, for example, as a consumer uh, health uh, website in the U.S., uh, where people can access the assessment uh, through their uh, portal. So we're not developing a direct-to-consumer uh, 
business. We are doing it through people who already have the consumers who are already interested mm-hmm. in uh, the subject of brain or mental health. Uh, we also have uh, Mental Health America, the uh, oldest mental health association in the U.S., who is uh, also partnering with us and offering our tool for free to their consumers. And what is your mission? If you're successful with with Total Brain, uh, what would that look like five, eight, ten years from now? Yeah, so there's... Uh, few more things that I would like to add to what Total Brain does. Okay. We have this assessment where you get your strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. but we also, in the assessment, screen for the seven most common mental disorder. Hmm. And so we are able to see, okay, what is the capacity of this person and, and how does that unfold? And what is the risk that those capacities get impaired down the road by a condition. Mm-hmm. If you have depression, uh, it will have a huge impact on what we call your negativity bias. Your negativity will, will go through the roof. When you hear or interact uh, or see something, the first thing you go to is the negative angle. Uh, and, and that comes with the condition. And so that is true uh, for depression and of course, uh, if you have ADHD, it's going to be your focus uh, mm-hmm. or your attention mm-hmm. and, and, and so on and so forth. So understanding the relationship between one's risk or one conditions and one's brain capacity is extremely useful for the patient, uh, for the person who may help the patient, and for health systems if they want to rehabilitate people. Uh, so it's one thing, let's say, uh, if I break my arm, uh, I'm going to get a cast, then I'm going to go into rehab to make sure that I bring back my capacity before I go back to using my arm the way I used to. There is no such thing in mental health. And uh, bringing uh, our assessment into the fold helps the, the mental health system to work not only on the elimination of symptoms, but also work on the rehabilitation of mm. patients. If you've been depressed in your life and, or if you've had any mental health issues, and I thank you so much for sharing your family experience. Uh, I also have had a, a very deep uh, experience family-wise. Uh, my father uh, died of Alzheimer. My daughter has depression. All of my siblings mm. had depression. Mm. And so I have seen this very, very close. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I know that over time, if someone is depressed, the level of activity goes down, the um, self-esteem goes down, and then you're not using the brain, the muscle, the way that you used to. Uh, After years of taking meds or being in treatment, it's not um, a given that uh, you can just go back to being the full capacity person you used to be. So um, there's... there's the uh, use of this data set uh, that enables all kinds of providers to have a uh, a clearer picture of what the um, rehabilitation and resetting uh, is that's required for someone to come back, yeah. uh, assuming that they can indeed rehabilitate. Not all mental illnesses are susceptible or amenable to, to treatment that brings them back. 
you wanted to tell me more about what Total Brain does before we get into uh, what what success for your company's um, mission would look like. Yeah. So we do, we assess the total brain, we assess the mental health risk, and we give a report to the user about both the capacities and the risk, and we we help people self-reflect on that risk. Mm -hmm. I want to say how important this is. 20% of the U.S. population, or the Western population for that matter, uh, currently has a mental condition. 20%? 20%. Currently? That, currently. That is anxiety, depression, ADHD, addiction, PTSD, et cetera, et cetera. So that's about 60, 65 million people. That's right. Mm -hmm. And the issue, one of the biggest issues that is driving what is truly a crisis mm -hmm. is the fact that half of the people who have a condition... They don't know it. Don't know it. Mm -hmm. And they will probably not know it until it's too late. What do you mean? And that, well, what I mean is... What happens the, if, if mental illness is untreated? Yeah, you end up at the emergency room, mm -hmm. and the system is just not equipped to deal with you in a very friendly way. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've been to a hospital or to a psychiatric ward in your life. I have. In fact, I worked at one for a number of years back in the 70s when I was uh, studying to become a clinical psychologist, which I eventually changed in my, my career direction. But uh, I have worked in a psychiatric hospital for a number of years. Wow. I'm very familiar with uh, what it's like. Fascinating. I have, a, I have as well as a student, to, uh, I was an orderly in a, mm -hmm. in a mental institution mm -hmm. for years uh, as a student. And so uh, what you see is that the system is just not um, designed to give people a very good experience of themselves. In most cases. Right? It's, it's... Uh, and, and, and so there is a lot to do when you get to the emergency room. It's usually that you are in a, in a downward spiral, and uh, the remedies to get you out of that spiral uh, are more about uh, we're going to get you to tolerate your pain more than mm -hmm. we're going to help you go through this pain easily. It's a very long process. Yes. Uh, and it's... Um, in most cases, right? Most cases... It takes time. ...work, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, forty percent of medications uh, are effective. Forty. Mm -hmm. So sixty percent of the time, you take pills that affect your your brain and affect your demeanor on a daily basis. Your body chemistry, mm -hmm. uh, and you you do this repetitively until you find the right recipe, uh, and you have forty percent chances of finding it. That process is very very difficult. Yes. Talk therapy once a week uh, for an hour uh, a, t a time is not necessarily uh, synchronized with your state of mind and how you feel in the moment, right? And so there's all sorts of issues in treating when you are uh, very acute that is not ideal. So ideally, you don't want to get there. So, so the, the Total Brain's materials uh, and resources uh, encourage people to self-reflect, to become aware yes. of uh, what their risk factors are, uh, what they're experiencing. And that is a huge part of their being able to access appropriate treatment and at least understand what's going on in their lives. Exactly. So that's an important part of what your, of what your 
aiming to accomplish is greater awareness of uh, mental illness, the, the very conditions that people experience. Correct. And we do it in a way that is data-driven, mm-hmm. in a way that is completely confidential. It's me and my phone or me and my computer, and it's data-driven. And what we, the way we do it is completely without label. So what we would say to someone who may have uh, ADHD or who we suspect may have ADHD, we would say, uh, how do you feel about your own experience of impulsivity, your own experience of hyperactivity, uh, and so on and so forth? So we'll go down the symptoms, we will define what they are, and we will ask someone to give us a sense of, does that affect me a lot? Does that affect me a lot uh, mm-hmm. at all? And so in the end, this person has done the self-reflection work of trying to understand where he or she is at in relation to those things that are symptoms. So is this done in a live, interactive conversation? No, it's done through an app. So you, you're, you're on your app. You did a mm-hmm. digital assessment. Mm-hmm. And then we give you a screen that says, hey... Let's check these things out. It looks based on your assessment that you may be experiencing hyperactivity, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And you may be experiencing impulsivity, yes or no, et cetera, et cetera. And so as the person does that, the person does the work of self-reflecting. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that person is invited to make a decision to go talk to someone or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this mm-hmm. is, in our opinion, the best way to destigmatize the conversation, and to address a cultural issue, which is that in our education, misery, suffering has been normalized from a mental health point of view. Hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I came back home telling my dad I'm not feeling so well and having him tell me, hey, go play outside and come back with a smile. <laughs> right? Your and father, I, the one who lived with depression. Yes, exactly. Hmm. That was his way of coping, I suppose. That's right. Mm. And so as we all have like this culture of tough it up, you know, uh, yeah, life sucks for everybody. You're, you're going to go through it uh, just to have faith. Uh, I think that a lot of us hesitate. Uh, we don't know the difference between being sad or being depressed. Being sad is normal. It's part of life. Of course. Um, and so where do I draw the line mm-hmm. is a very subtle, nuanced thing. Mm-hmm. So, this, yeah. so this tool is available uh, for to, to help people have a better understanding of their own uh, condition. Um, what else is there that you want to make sure we know about what you do as a company? So when you know your strength, your weakness, and your mental health risk, mm-hmm. we then give you a personalized program where you're going to do brain training, which is small games that are specifically going to uh, train a capacity that might be trending down or that might be a weakness of yours so that you can get better. So there's brain training with capacity-specific little uh, games and training. We have 29 of them. And then we also encourage people to do breathing and meditation and positivity training uh, and using uh, those tools that are going to affect every capacity of the brain and has been demonstrated to do so uh, to, again, give people uh, power in affecting the way they are, the way they feel, and affecting the, the capacity that they're having today. So we do assessment and training 
and we do this in a loop every month uh, so that someone can actually see what works and what doesn't work. And we give, uh, in so doing, a concrete quantified tool to optimize oneself. So uh, I am certain that people listening, some people listening might be thinking, I wouldn't trust uh, an app with that kind of information. I wouldn't know where that information is going to go or who could hack it. So no way am I going to share my self-assessment of my mental status uh, with, with, uh, with the cloud. Yeah. What do you, Louis, what do you say to that before we uh, take a, a minute yeah. to break? We anonymize everything. So your, um, your information is not associated with your result or your personally identifiable information is not associated with your result. And therefore, no one can, by accessing our database, associate any results with anyone. Okay. And that's the trick. And that, that must be one of your main priorities as a CEO is to ensure that that is indeed true. Uh, and, and that all stakeholders are aware of that. Stu, this is sacred. Now, of course. Sacred ground. It must be. It is also a matter of life or death for us as of a course. company, for no. sure. Uh, let's continue uh, about how you see the future with respect to the, the impact that uh, your firm can have on the state of mental health in our society. Um, I am absolutely convinced that uh, mental health and well-being are part of the same phenomenon. It's a continuum. Uh, So me feeling absolutely amazing versus me feeling ill is the same reality. And that reality changes every day based on life that happens. Uh, And so it's the same brain capacities that are affected along the way. uh, And it's the same brain capacities that will improve or not thanks to neuroplasticity. My goal is to provide people an awareness. Neuroplasticity, you'll have to define that term for some people who might not be familiar with it. Yeah, so the brain has been uh, long studied and and, and has has been uh, proven uh, a long time ago to actually change uh, and to heal itself and to reinforce itself when it needs. It's an extraordinarily adaptive organ. uh, And so it is not true that one is born with a given brain and will die with the same brain. Mm -hmm. That brain is going to rewire itself, is going to uh, change and evolve based on life happening and based on the awareness that one has the connectivity that one has to one's own energy, to, to call it life or universe energy, and to one's capacity to train. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like a body, a mind, mm-hmm. part of a body, mm-hmm. you, you are owning uh, that body. You can do whatever you want with it, make it great, or keep it the way it is, or let it deteriorate. And so to do this, you need to be aware. And mm-hmm. what my dream is, is to have a Fitbit for the brain. The quantified self has existed for 20 years now, and I've been one watching my steps and my calories and all of this, Mm -hmm. but there's very little self in it. I want to actually track things that are at the center of who I am and how I feel in the moment. 
And that relates to stress, that mm-hmm. relates to emotions, mm-hmm. that relates to my brain. And our goal is to play that function in our small way so that people can actually do stuff to make themselves feel better. Beyond our training, uh, I can actually uh, decide that I'm going to go at the gym this week uh, and do this for a month. And when I reassess my brain, I may realize that my stress is down, my cognition is up, and everything is looking up. And I may understand that it's because I'm just starting to exercise. And now having this tool to correlate my activity, my life, to uh, a state of capacity and state of mind and health risk is really uh, the goal. And it might provide additional motivation or incentive for people to uh, continue with those uh, health-inducing kinds of uh, activities. Yes, exactly. And then, and then from a, a data science point of view, we can also produce knowledge that's extremely useful. Uh, in in looking at things in aggregate and understand, okay, what happens when people do those things and what happened with this demographic of people and and, and so that Mm -hmm. we can come up with things like, uh, you know, Christmas holiday is not good for everyone, right? A third of them uh, are living the holiday as a very stressful event to... uh, uh, and they'd rather skip uh, that kind of insight. All right, for, uh, we can do it at the personal level. So, for the for the th- one third of the, the people who are listening right now, uh, off what off the top of your head, Louis, what is the number one uh, piece of advice that you would give to those people who are dreading this season uh, because it is stress inducing for them? Yes, uh, you know, a lot of our stress comes from. Um, what we call the mind, or some beliefs that we have uh, that uh, may be uh, false narratives or or may be right in certain circumstances, but should be questioned. So when we feel stressed about something, trying to ask ourselves, what is stressing me out right now? And is it that uh, I don't have enough money to give the gifts that I want to give? Is it that I don't have Uh, a family to go back to? Is it that it's too far and too costly? What is it? And understanding the root of my pain is number one uh, place to start. Mm -hmm. When we've identified that, then there's a question of let's reframe what what that is. And let's try to understand if this is such a big deal. Maybe I cannot give my kids the $500 Lego set that he wants, but maybe it'd be very happy if I gave him a $25 uh, Lego set and if I did it with him and if I packaged it up into an experience that we're going to make special in our favorite part of the house, et cetera, et cetera. And so reframing is super important. Mm-hmm. And also, I would say, uh, just letting go of all of, the, all of those thoughts and connecting to, to the great energy that's in our heart. Uh, is yet another way than breathing and, and meditation and, and self-exploration, um, going for a walk in the park and look, connecting to nature is another way to kind of relativize things. I do that every day with my son. Great. Yes, and we, we try to make uh, human contact with everyone we meet. We say hello, and uh, it's really quite uh, a wonderful part of the day. Those are good tips. Now, let's let's look at the work side of this equation uh, because your your primary um, uh, sort of distribution channel, if you can call it that, 
presently is through organizations, through companies. Do you work with them on what they can be doing to, in, in addition to providing this resource of assessment and training online, uh, do you do any other kinds of work with organizations to help to destigmatize mental illness and create the conditions for well-being uh, in, in the organizations that you partner with? Yeah. So uh, just by first, just by letting people optionally opt into the app, assess themselves and train their brain, uh, we are able to reach uh, a very significant proportion of the population because uh, employees and people are very interested in themselves and in their brain. Yes. Right? A percentile score for my brain is something quite sexy. And if I can compare it with sexy, people, you say, Louis. What do you mean by that? Well, it, in a competitive environment that we all have been raised uh-huh. in, uh, knowing how I'm actually faring against mm-hmm. people my age, my education—it's attractive. Uh, it's very attractive. People want to know. Yeah. And yes. So very high conversion rates uh, we we get from both an assessment and a training point of view. And uh, what we deliver for that is increased productivity, 4% more productivity, uh, reduced mental health costs. When people train their brain, we've reduced mental health costs by 38% hmm. uh, based on uh, studies that were made by major players uh, in our portfolio of clients. Uh, and so on those two things, uh, we are delivering amazing benefits just as it is without anything else. On top of this, we offer companies seminars and in-depth uh, retreats, if you like, mm-hmm. uh, through our partnership with TLEX, um, which is Transformational Leadership um, Institute, Excellence Institute. Yes, and its CEO, Johan Berlin, has been on our show. In fact, that's how I got to you, Louis. I know. <laughs> right. And so Johan does an amazing work uh-huh. uh, with us in going in-depth uh, with companies and teaching them meditation or breathing for two, three days or doing mm-hmm. uh, workshops that deals with team dynamics. We really focus on the individuals. We focus on the in-depth and team, dy- team dynamics things. Mm-hmm. And together we, we cover quite a lot of ground, I, I should say. Uh, those results are impressive in terms of reducing mental health costs. Uh, in in the firms where you have studied this outcome, uh, why would a company not want to sign up for your service? In other words, where do you encounter resistance? Yeah, uh, we generally uh, do not encounter resistance to what we do as much as we encounter the usual inertia that comes from the fact that people are overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average HR manager receives hundreds of guys like me every week mm-hmm. that claims that they can do X or Y, and it's becoming very hard for them to actually compute and analyze, synthesize, and understand you know, what, what is the best thing. They all say they're the best, and they all claim amazing things. So I think the biggest issue for me is one of education mm-hmm. uh, and one of building a relationship that is... Uh, meaningful enough that I have the time to really explain. As you can see, you know, you started the conversation by saying, what's total brain? And 
and to start explaining it, right? You can pull so many threads and it can turn into hours of conversations quickly. Mm-hmm. So the complexity of what we do is my key problem, uh, is how do you explain something that's that complex and that sounds so amazing in a short amount of time where mm-hmm. a decision maker can make a quick decision mm-hmm. is really the biggest challenge hmm. that we have in corporations. So it's not it's not about their... Uh feeling some concern or anxiety about uh, addressing the questions of mental health, which are, of course, as we both know, still stigmatized in our society or or secondarily, you know, intruding on the personal lives of, uh, of their employees. I imagine those must be questions that, that come up in your conversations with potential partners. You know, the questions that come up the most yeah. uh, for them is, what are we doing about suicide? Mm. What are we doing about our healthcare cost, which is driven mm. by uh, mental health care? A third of their budget is now spent on mental health issues. And that, a third of whose budget? A, th- a third of anyone's healthcare budget uh. is healthcare, if you, is mental health. Uh-huh. If you look at the United States in general, it is more than cancer, more than diabetes and heart disease combined. Hmm. And so, and that line item is growing, you know, out of control. Uh, the teenager girls uh, um, rate of depression has gone up 70% in the last four years. Uh, and, and we basically see uh, the impact of this everywhere. Um, the liability uh, insurance, short-term disability, uh, is based mainly driven by depression right mm-hmm. now. People are taking mental health break. Mm-hmm. And so HR professionals know this, mm-hmm. they, and, and their boss and their CFO is asking, what are we doing here? I see. And one of their problems is they don't know where to start because we have uh, a huge access problem in this country. To service or to, uh, to diagnostic tools? Both. Uh, the first issue is people don't know that they're sick and they're coming to work uh, sick and they are staying sick forever uh, with all of the potential collateral damage that this mm-hmm. does on the quality of outputs, on team dynamics, et cetera, et cetera. And that's really what your like the big impact that you, that you're that you've described uh, in our conversation is in is in generating greater self awareness in yes. individuals about their mental state. Correct, and because we believe that this is where we can have the biggest impact mm-hmm. with the easiest uh, in the easiest way, if you like, it's really hard for anyone to invent a digital therapy to you know uh, do better than drugs or therapy for depression, for example. But it's fairly easy to screen someone for mental health issues if you have the right context, the right tool, the right conversations in the right environment that is fully confidential and protected. And so employers aren't using this to screen out potential uh, liabilities of people who might cost them in the future because of their mental health problems. what I told you before, uh, which is the system is fully anonymized, right. what the HR department only gets is the aggregate risk. I see. So they know that 66% of their entire population 
is screening positive for one of seven disorders, for example. But they don't know that Ryan Jones or whomever, a particular person, is at risk for depression, and therefore that's somebody who we should put on a performance program and fire. Exactly. They don't no know that. Way, no way that we would ever let that go. Of course. What we would do is we would work with the individual ourselves in an anonymous way through technology and basically let that person reach out to other confidential resources that may or may not be sponsored by the company. Mm -hmm. But what the company buys is the fact that this conversation has happened. Mm -hmm. They know that 66% of the population has been at risk. They know that we have educated them, and they know how many people have clicked on a link or called a number to attend uh, external resources that we may lead them to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's it. And for that, they get That's absolutely a huge ROI. Of course. Because the cost of having someone showing up to work with a mental condition... Untreated. Is, untreated is $17,000 per year. Hmm. We don't have time to get into how you calculated that, but I'm sure that uh, listeners who are interested could find out more about that. And I'm going to ask you in just a couple of minutes how they can find out more about the remarkable work you're doing. But before we get there, I know that you've been speaking about ethics and morality as it relates to mental health in the workplace. What's the big idea that you are speaking about uh, on that issue? Uh, key uh, issue for me uh, has, a, has to do with uh, privacy is Instead of doing manager training, uh, where we try and make mental health conversation easier, uh, I, I, I think, uh, and instead of doing mass communication to make it more acceptable, and I think there is a much, much more powerful way to do this, which is let me be in the presence of myself and give me the tool for me to understand myself and let me make the decisions that I want to make about my own life. That, to me, is the, the least resistance path, the one that is the least damaging, the least risky, uh, and, and the most uh, important for us to solve the lack of diagnostic issue. Hmm. Um, and so based on that, it's, it's, uh, it's about the values that you hold uh, true to your organization. And for me, uh, one of those values is compassion. Uh, how, how do you have enough compassion to trust that someone is capable, intelligent, insightful enough to seek whatever they need, as opposed to just assume that we have the answers to everything and there's a, a solution A to problem A and solution B to problem B, uh, in mental health, that is not true. Uh, everyone is an individual. Everyone has a different brain because everyone has a different life and a different genetics and a different past. And so we all have our own equation to, to manage. And, and empowering uh, me to manage my own equation is the best gift that I can receive. Now, of course, not everyone is capable of, uh, of doing such analysis and reflection. Uh, right, certain certain capacities enable or disable uh, people from being able to to do that kind of work. Yes. 
so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you must see variation across the illness spectrum or the wellness spectrum in terms of who benefits most from this kind of uh, approach to increasing awareness yeah. and, and, and making change happen. Um, as you think about the, what's on the horizon uh, in applied neuroscience research, what is it that you're most excited about? I am super excited about the field of biofeedback to uh, take away the sort of discrete assessment part out, out of the, out of a, as an obstacle, if you like. Today, with heart rate variability, uh, we are able to determine if you are in fight or flight or if you are in vagal tone. That is, are you having bad stress right now or are you having good stress? And so theoretically, if I'm just taking the signal from a wearable, could be your watch, that is giving me a good signal of your heart rate, I can track your stress curve. Mm -hmm. And stress is the beginning and the end of both uh, health, uh, physical and mental health. And so if we can really dig in in understanding the stress curve of an individual, we could intervene in the moment to try and help them reframe. We can help them reflect on what is triggering them on life, in life. And all of a sudden, uh, one could have a, um, a system that is self-feeding with no effort, super interesting insights about oneself and what to do about it. Mm -hmm. We are currently working on a project with the American Heart Association mm -hmm. uh, where we are trying to crack that nut and build a consumer product out of it, and there is nothing that excites me most than that. Why is that so exciting to you, Louis? Because knowing, it's back to self-awareness, mm -hmm. having uh, my heart does not lie, uh, and if I can know exactly uh, what's going on with me uh, through objective measures that I can relate to events, I have the keys to, to heal myself. I have the keys to uh, be happier just by replicating what works and avoiding what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. There's a, a data-driven product guy in me uh, that believes uh, that uh, he belongs to a huge tribe in this day and age that would feel the same way. So mm -hmm. it's super exciting. Yeah, that that is exciting. And as, as you think about... Uh, the next generation, you, you mentioned a daughter, I don't know the rest of your family structure, but as you think about her future and the future uh, that awaits, what's your greatest hope for the generation um, that, that's on the rise now in terms of uh, the treatment of, of mental illness and the generation of well-being in our society, in our organizations? Yeah, that's a huge question, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But uh, in, 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 the, in short, uh, I believe and I, I wish um, that the next generations will start to understand that they are not their mind, that whatever is in their head on a minute-by-minute -minute basis is not all that they are that it's a part of who they are, but they are so much more. And they can actually control those thoughts so much more than, than what uh, one believes when one is caught in the thought. 
Uh, and so I, I am so hopeful that mm-hmm. something I've uncovered in my late 40s, they can uncover much earlier uh, because their mind is more assaulted than mine has been at the same age uh, with the same lifespan, right? Technology mm-hmm. and, uh, and the news and the information flowings and climate change and the political environment and yes. all of this aura of crisis on a daily basis mm-hmm. makes one's mind race. And I think that our, our youth uh, is uh, looking at this uh, feeling quite distressed. I think it has certainly something to do with mental health issue rising in that cohort of individuals. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that uh, we will be able to reframe this um, by having people understand that, hey, uh, climate change is happening. But while it's happening, I am perfect right here, right now, as I am. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do to be perfectly alive right here, right now. (laughs) And right here, right now, I have no problem. What I have is a bunch of thoughts about the future that I fear or the past that I regret. And that is causing me tremendous real pain. And perhaps disabling you from taking action to uh, be a part of the community of people trying to trying to create a nourishing environment for all of us going forward. Louis, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, What's the best place for listeners to learn more about the work that you're doing with Total Brain? Totalbrain.com, and from there we have a contact us, and we can uh, always be reached. Uh, Very happy to talk to anyone about the work we do uh, from any angle. Um, So do not hesitate to contact us from our website. Many thanks, Louis Gagnon. Thank you so much, too. It's been an amazing pleasure to well, talk to you. Well, our pleasure indeed. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Louis Gagnon and that it provided you with some new ideas about how to think about your brain's idiosyncratic makeup and what this might mean for your own mental health and for what we can do collectively to help solve the mental health crisis in our workplaces and in our society. So here is a challenge for you, an invitation. Visit TotalBrain.com and check out the resources there. There's a number of white papers, some videos that are instructional, and uh, you might find them useful. So see what you can discover there and... Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me directly, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or find me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 132, Wharton Business Radio. Tune in for on-air broadcasts of Work and Life on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. For more about this episode's guest and about previous guests, visit workandlifepodcast.com. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, 
have a richer life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.